0: You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents.
1: I'm so thankful for our band and the way that they uh, lead us every week and work so hard to be prepared. And the, the amount of time they put in to lead you is, is pretty crazy. So if you're not thanking the people that... Um, that serve and lead in our band, uh, man, I, I'd encourage you to just give them like a 20-second hug, each individually, and it's um, <clears throat> probably the best way you can, you can do that. Um, I love a good rescue story, like, like of, uh, you know, there's, there was the submarine that, that went missing recently, and there's this whole, like, search. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. There's, like, this drama and this, this hopefulness, this expectation of a, to a good rescue story. Unfortunately, I've never been a part of a rescue mission, like, I personally, uh, I'm not cool enough to go on rescue missions for um, anything uh, ever. One time, uh, we were at Beach Breakaway, however, and one of one of us, one of our, our teenagers, uh, Josh Beck, um, went on a rescue mission, just kind of solo. You know, we got our Beach Breakaway trip coming up soon. All of you are going to go. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and we, we hang on the beach, but it's it's usually pretty cold. And so normally, there's not anybody out in the water because it's spring break and it's kind of cold. Um, and so this What's one time there's this, we're all kind of out on the beach doing wreck and stuff, and there's this sort of this commotion over here behind me, and, and I, I, I turn and look, and there's a bunch of people running, over, like just running down the beach, kind of frantic, and you know, you can kind of sense that something's, something's not right, and I look out in the water, and there's this, this dude, Josh Beck. Like, how, how many of y'all know Josh Beck? Hey, you remember Josh Beck? All right, so a couple of us, some of the oldest ones of us remember Josh Beck. Well, Josh Beck, uh, worked as a lifeguard at the Y where like nothing ever happens, and um, he was out there at wreck and uh, looked over, you know, looked down the beach, and there's 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 somebody like out in the water, drowning, just solo for some reason out, out there in the water. And Josh Beck's like, all right, I got this, and like runs down the beach, Baywatch style, dives in and like rescues somebody and drags him up on the beach. No one knows what's going on until Josh Beck's like dragging him up on the shore, you know? And, like I I was so impressed. Like we all, like you know, we we're like you know, gather around Josh Peck. Like you're my, you're my hero, you know. Like I, I worked as a lifeguard for like seven years. The only thing that ever happened, like two kids fell off a float and like sank to the bottom, and I just like got off my lifeguard stand and like got down in the pool and just like walked over here and just like grabbed them. I was like, knock it off, you know, and just like brought them back. It was no drama whatsoever. I love a good rescue story, you know. Like there's, there's just something, something about that. That's just the moment I, I never forget. Like, I, I think it's interesting that at Christmas um, we we celebrate Christmas as a moment. We're, we're celebrating like the the, the you know, Christ's birth and the manger, and there's like some sheep there or something. Like it's the moment of Christ's birth, we celebrate Christmas as a moment. Well, Christmas isn't a moment. Christmas is a rescue mission. It's the beginning of, of, of a rescue mission, but it's, it's not even it's not even necessarily the beginning of it. It's it's the culmination of 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 hundreds, thousands of years of, of plan that God had put in place to come to rescue us. And it's this, 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 this cataclysmic moment where, where the, this hundreds, thousands of years of, of planning come together in this one singular moment. We're celebrating the moment that the plan comes together. We're celebrating the plan that the rescue mission is finally put into place and feet are on the ground and it's about to happen. Like That's, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating a rescue mission. We're not celebrating a moment. Last week, we kind of started thinking about that and, and talking about that and the problem uh, of sin that that made it necessary for, for God to do something about that. We're going to kind of revisit that and look at it a different way because I, I, this, this, this Christmas season, I'm so fixated on this idea of Christmas being a rescue mission, not a moment, all right? So if you've got your Bible, if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, that's where we're going to start out tonight. We, we, we mentioned it last week. We actually... Try to traverse the entire Old Testament in one way or another last week, and, and this week we're going to kind of zoom in on a couple of things, um, so we can we can look at what Scripture has to say about God's planning, how intentional God was in this plan to bring this thing about that we celebrate at Christmas, bring about this rescue mission. Genesis chapter three, beginning in verse one, uh, Satan, uh, the enemy, he enters the Garden of Eden. Now Probably even if you're not hadn't been around church ever, you're probably still somewhat familiar with the Garden of Eden. That, you know, the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 talks about how God created, and he created people, and he placed them in his garden, and it was perfect, and there was no sin. God didn't, didn't put sin in people, all right? And so there's this perfect space where God had put his, his creation in, to, to enjoy them and for them to enjoy him. They're supposed to be in his presence, and it was supposed to be um, holy and innocent and perfect. But Satan entered the garden. And Satan himself is defined over and over again in scripture as a liar and a deceiver. And so Satan enters the garden to be a liar and deceiver, he, he's the one who hates God's kids. Like you. Hates you. He hates you. He enters the garden and, and, and goes to work on God's kids and, and goes to work to deceive Adam and Eve. And he, and he does so. So down in verse 6, it says this, so, that, so when, when the woman, she, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she, she took of its fruit and she ate it. Even though God had told her not to, like God had given one rule. <laughs> like when we go on trips, there's one rule, don't make me mad. All right, this is the one rule. And she, she intentionally chooses to break the one rule. It says that she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So he, he's standing there right next to her. He's there. She didn't go find him. She didn't go, like, look for him. He's, like, off, you know, naming animals or something. Like, he, he's just right there with her. Didn't do a thing about it. Didn't speak up. Passive. Chose to let her go um, instead of step in and lead. Didn't do anything. So it says this, that then the eyes of both of them were open, and they, they knew that they were naked. And it's interesting, it's a naked thing, because, like, they're so innocent, and that's just not a thing. It doesn't matter. Like, there's just, there's just this, this innocence that you know, I can't conceive of. And so it says that they, they sewed some fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths, and they started trying to hide themselves. Same way that you try to hide the things that you're ashamed of in your life. That sin that you don't want anybody to know about, you hide that away, so that, like, you just kind of pack that in. Like, no one's going to know about how, how dark and messed up you are. That's, that's what they're doing. They're trying to hide, like, like sin just creates this shame in us. And so there's this immediate, this immediate reaction where they start trying to hide themselves from one another and from God. The same thing is taking place in your life still. You're still trying to hide yourself from other people and from God. So what's happened in this moment is, is the same, what we talked about last week, that, that sin has entered creation. Sin that was never intended to be there has, has, has entered creation, kind of like a cancer, and all of a sudden, it's, everything's twisted, everything's broken, there's no innocence anymore. Perfect has been shattered. In that moment, when those two people chose to sin, perfect was shattered. Verse eight says uh, this, and they, they heard the sound of the Lord. Certainly they, they heard him. Heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Wow, what an incredible thing. Like, just imagine with me, being in the garden and hearing the footsteps of the God of the universe. Prior to this moment, that was always a welcomed sound. That was always a welcomed sound where the, the, the creator was coming to spend time with his creation. It was just a beautiful moment. This time, it's no longer that. This time, there's fear and there's shame, and so they run. The same thing still happens in this room and the sin and the shame that's in you when you hear the footsteps of God, when you kind of get in proximity to God, what you want to do is, is ball up and, and hide from him and run away because there's a fear of this holy and perfect God because you know you fall short of that standard. So what happens is, is they, they they hear, uh, they hear him coming and it says, the man and his wife, they hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God, He he called out to the man and he said, where are you? He, he, he had to call out looking for his kids. I think, I think sometimes, or a lot of times, for a long time, I, I read this as though God was angry somehow. You know, like sometimes if, if I'm, you know, my kids don't aren't where they're supposed to be, where they, when I tell them to be there, there's a where are you, but it's, it's, it's condemning. It's like, you're not where I told you to be. Get there. They're, they're not supposed to be anywhere. They're supposed to be innocent. They're supposed to be just enjoying his presence. So this where are you isn't, isn't that they did something wrong. This where are you is about enjoyment, about presence. And I thought we were hanging out. I don't know. Where are you? This is when you're a little kid and you get lost in the grocery store and your mom calls your name. That's, that's this. But what's interesting, they're, they're not just lost in the grocery store. They're, they're the, I, don't, I don't know if you're, this is one of those generational things. When you were a kid, did department stores have the clothing racks that were like a circle with the cave in the middle? And you all hid in it, right? Okay. So what happens? You're in a department store, and there's like all these you know weirdos everywhere, and uh, you're there with your mom, and you 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 decide that you're going to be sinful, and it's the Garden of Eden is J.C. okay? And so in the Garden of J.C. you decide that you want to hide from mom, and you go get in the cave, and then your mom isn't really sure if you're if you're hiding or if you've been stolen, and you're going to end up on a milk carton, okay? Like, and, and there's that voice that all of our moms were like. Breton, Breton, and I'm in the cave. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and your parents are like freaking out because they don't know if you're gone, you know, and and you're just having a great time hiding. This is this is more like that where they're they're intentionally separating themselves from God, and God's calling out and saying, "Why would you do that? <laughs> like I'm, I'm God. I'm the, I'm literally perfect. I'm the greatest thing there is for you to be, around, really. And that's not a, that's not arrogant of God to say that because He literally is the greatest thing in the world, like the greatest thing there is, so he, it's best for them to be in his presence, he'd say, why would you not, what are you doing, where are you, and there's this, there's, where are you, how sad, how heartbreaking is this, think about this, God created these two people to have this perfect relationship with him, to get to walk in the cool of the day with him, and just enjoy his presence, and all of a sudden, they're hiding because of their sin, and their shame, and they and God's having to call out and say, well, that's, Where are you? That's entirely and completely heartbreaking. And the exact same thing still happens in this room, this perfect, holy God that you're supposed to get to hang out with. Wants to know you, like wants to get to be with you. And the sin and the shame that's in you causes you to go, I pull back from God and go hide. And he's like, where where are you? That's all our story. Sometimes even in in rooms like this, you, you can almost... Feel the Holy Spirit, like, like, not audibly, but tugging on you in a way, saying, God's, God's saying, where, where have you been? Where are you? And you kind of get in proximity to, you know, God, and maybe in spaces like this, or maybe if you're, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. But, and God kind of reaches out, and he's trying to, like, pull you back to himself, and you can feel that tugging, and there's still something inside of you that resists even that, because that sin and that shame causes you to hide yourself from it. Sin separates us from God. Sin gets in you, and you pull away from him. God didn't pull away from them, and he didn't pull away from you. He's he's standing in the garden saying, where'd you go? Verse 10, it says, Adam, he comes out of hiding, and he he says, look, I I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid of the benevolent, good, merciful, peace-loving God who made me, placed me here, gave me everything I need. I was afraid of him. Sin warps everything. Your entire conception of God. If there's anger in your heart towards this God, if there's, like whatever, like it's not supposed to be that way. Afraid is not the way God made it. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you you were naked? <laughs> God's like, this isn't supposed to be this. Why are you afraid of me? What is God? Who told you you were naked? He says, the man said, uh, says, have, have you eaten? Did you, did you eat of the, the tree that I commanded you not to eat? The man didn't take responsibility. He's, he, he points to his wife. He says, that, that woman whom you gave me to be, to be with me, she, she gave me the fruit. And so I ate it. Where are those fingers going? It's pointing at somebody else, and it's pointing back at God. Saying, the woman that you gave me tempted me. And so, yeah, of course I messed up. It's your fault. You gave her to me. And if it's not your fault, it's her fault. I didn't do nothing. That's disobedience. That's sin. That's lying. There's this, like, all of a sudden, the entirety of the relationship is burning. Burning. And the Lord God turned to the woman and said, what's, what's this that, that you've done? The woman said, that, well, the, the, the serpent deceived me. And so I ate. She's still pointing the finger somewhere else. You and I do the same thing. It's hard to take responsibility for our son and say, no, no, no. It's not the world. It's not, it's not my school. It's not it's my friend. It's not my boyfriend or my girlfriend. It's not my parents. It's me. I'm a mess. They didn't own up to it. It takes us a while to own up to it, too. It's our story, man. This is our story. Verse 14, so the, the Lord is going to speak to the serpent. So like, what's, what? it's this heartbreaking moment where God has created these people to walk in the cool of the day with me. He's made it perfect. Sin is shattered perfect. And what's happened is sin is not just shattered perfect. Sin has ripped God's kids from his arms. Right? That's, that's literally what happened. Like, God, God has... He's created his children. He's placed them in his garden. He says he's spending time with them. And sin has just ripped the relationship in half between him and his kids. Sin has ripped God's kids out of his arms. Sin ripped you out of God's arms. And so God responds to the enemy. God responds to Satan with the fury of a a father who's had his kids ripped from his arms. That's the voice that, that this should be spoken with. When he says to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock, all beasts of the field? On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And he says something interesting. He said, "I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring." And it says this. He says, "He shall like in a future tense, like he in the future. There's going to be this, this specific point. He shall crush your head, and you shall strike his heel." That's a weird. That's a. There's something there. And so as the story of the Bible starts to, starts to take shape and starts to unfold, it always comes back to this, this statement that, that there's going to be someone, he, a singular he, who's going to crush the head of the enemy. Like there's going to be a singular he at a, at a fixed point in the future that's going to crush the head of the enemy that ripped God's kids from his arms. The fury of the God who created these kids, created you, and sin took you away from his presence, took them away from, from him. He says... There's going to be one. He's coming, and he's going to crush you. It's just like that movie Taken. I will find you. Like, like that's what's happening. I can't get to you right now, but I'm going to set a plan in motion to obliterate you. And the, when the God of the universe says that, um, he means it. Christmas is a rescue mission. And so when you start walking through the rest of the, the Old Testament, really the rest of the Bible, God's fingerprints are all over this thing, and, and, and the, it's the fingerprints of a rescue mission. It's constantly coming up where, where this, these, these, the, the, the pathways of God's plan are just unfolding all throughout history. God keeps whispering all throughout history, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. He's whispering back to his kids, to his people, to you, to us, through the word, I'm coming for you. I've been coming for you since Genesis chapter 3, verse whatever, 15. I'm coming for you. I'm coming He's building this plan, he's bringing it to fruition, saying, I'm going to come, I'm going to crush the one who ripped you away from me, I'm going to get you back, I'm coming, I'm coming to rescue you. Like in Isaiah seven fourteen, it says, it says this, the Lord himself will give you a son, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And we read that passage a lot at Christmas, because it's a prophecy, thousands, like 800 years before Jesus was born, that's that, that, that saying that God is going to send this one, God with us. That God was coming in, like, to put his feet on the ground to come and rescue. That's, that's what it means. Like, like, God with us. We could no longer be with him, so God had to come be with us. You got kicked out of the garden. We're, we're kicked out. Like Sin has warped it all. We couldn't get back, and so God decided to come to us. You couldn't get back to him. He came to you to make it like it had been before. Isaiah 9 Two chapters over, verse 6, that's the passage that says this, that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and the name of the, his, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's this one who's coming, who's going to bear the names of God, who's going to physically be with us. He's going to be, every, like, he's gonna be the, the, the wonderful counsel, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's going to be everything that we need. He's whispering, I'm coming. I'm coming to free you. I'm coming to fix it. The beginning of the birth of Christ is this pivotal moment in history where God had arrived with a specific purpose. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he set a plan in motion and, and has been following it through to this one moment when the feet finally land on the ground. Been planning this rescue mission for all of us for all this time, It brings it about. It's a culmination of the plan from that day. Then you get to First Timothy uh, one fifteen, and, and it just kind of sums up why Jesus came, why God did this. All right? It Says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The reason that Jesus came that, that night in the manger in the Beth, you know, the, the reason that he was there was not to make a big scene. The reason he was there was not to, you know, get Christmas trees in your house for it. Like that, like that it's not, not there to be celebrated. He, he came to save sinners. Like the reason he came was to save sinners. It's a rescue mission. He came to save sinners. Where sin had entered you, ripped you away from God, and Christ came to save sinners. Christmas was a, was a plan that was hatched from the beginning to rescue you. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's not a moment. Because so this was the plan where God said, okay, all right, sin keeps them away from me, so I'll go to them. Sin keeps them away from me, so I'll go to them. He says, since, since they all deserve punishment now, I'll, I'll, I'll take their punishment. Since they're all broken and beaten up, I'll be their peace and and their mercy. Since they are literally doomed, I'll be their savior. So Christ came, born in a manger, with a specific purpose of dying on a cross for you. He came to stretch out his arms on that cross, reaching out for you something in you that's um, not the way it was intended to be. The relationship that you've uh, had ripped away from you, man, God came to fix it. He's been coming for you your whole life. The Genesis 3 story is your story. You can find yourself all in that. The shame and the sin and the distance and the hiding, all of that's there. And God still presses in and says, where are you? I'm looking for you and he's been at work to cover the distance. You didn't take one step toward him. He's been coming for you since time began. Christ stretched out his hands on a cross, reaching out for you. So maybe you're here tonight, and um, you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian for a while, and the the maybe this is the word that you need to hear. If you've been back in sin, and there's some stuff that's that's built up between you and God. I want you to hear the words of the loving, benevolent, merciful God whispering, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? The cross covers all. Like if you're a Christian and you've trusted Jesus, all that's been paid for and you've been forgiven, why are you hiding from him? And he's saying, "Come, come back. I died to fix this, I don't, where are you? If you're not a Christian in the room and maybe uh, maybe, I mean, this is all very new to you, but maybe you've been thinking about this for a while. have been around here a little bit. You've been hearing about this Jesus who loves you. Um, I want you to know that, that God didn't happen upon you. I, w- I want you to know that, that you're not like just another face in a, in a crowd or something like God intentionally planned to rescue you, knew that you were going to be ripped away from his arms before you were born, knew it was gonna happen and it did. And had a plan in place to to rescue, so you could get to know him. He could be he could know you. Do you want to know him? You know that day in, in the ocean. I mean, like it could have happened where Josh swam out there to that guy, and uh, the guy says, "No, no, no, no I got this. <laughs> I got it." And refused the help. Would you do that? Would you refuse the hand that God's trying to extend to you? He sent His Son for you. Will you say yes? We accept Him. Our band's coming back up, and um, they're going to lead us a couple more songs. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what happened, but cool. Um, uh, as, as, we, as we sing, I, I want to I, I really, I encourage you to focus a little bit. Um, I know our, our band does a good job, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of fun to watch. But um, whether you know the songs or not that they're about to lead us in, uh, what I, what I want to encourage you to do is, is to focus on what we're saying, and you know, if the words that we're singing don't resonate with your heart right now, then, then say your own, all right? So uh, the, uh, if if the songs that we're singing can function like a prayer to the God who's asking you where you are, then then, then great, pray those. But I'd almost rather you just spend some, I mean, I, I, you're going to stand because everybody's standing, but I'd rather you just stand there right where you are and, and say whatever it is you need to say. I'd, I'd, rather you, I'd rather you stand there right where you are As the band leads And answer the question audibly in your heart To the, to, to the God who's calling out where are you I, I want you to answer that question Tell him where you've been Tell him how things have been a little messed up Tell him how things have been a lot messed up And how you've been gone for a long time If God's asking where are you I think you should answer him I think that's the most important thing you can do right now I'm going pr- to stand uh, I'm gonna, Why don't you go ahead and stand up I'm going to pray for you and you answer that question before you do anything else. Father, I'm grateful for the chance uh, to get to look into your word. I'm thankful for the reminder today that, that that you came for me, that you rescued me, that you loved me enough to come, that my story is one where I allowed sin to, to rip me away from you, but you didn't let it stand. You came for me anyway. God, I know in my life, there's distance that exists sometimes. Um, there's sin that creeps in. So God, that. Where, I, where, I, I don't know, where I've been someplace, but where I am. where I want to be, it's right there with you. I pray that for each one of us in the room, that, that whatever distance exists, whatever sin stands between us, um, that we would we would deal with that now. So that we can enjoy the God who loves us. So we can enjoy you. We love you. sense of prayer. Amen. So there's nothing with me.
0: bye devoted like a ring of solid gold whole and you shoulder our weakness and your strength becomes our own you're making me like you clothing me in a white bringing beauty from ashes but you will
1: Man, I I, I, don't know, I don't know where you've been, uh, but I do know that you've got some incredible leaders around here that would love to talk with you, um, that have your back. They've been where you are, and they've probably been further than you've been. All right, and so um, if you need to talk to somebody, about, like, I just want to remind you that like, your leaders are here for you. That's why they take all this time to be in the room with you because um, they want to have your back, all right? And they love Jesus and they love you, and ain't nobody else better to talk to than that, okay? I want to go ahead and tell you uh, the one main announcement I want to tell you before you guys all split up and run all over the place, and then... Um, Then you'll go to your small groups, okay? Uh, Disciple Now is coming up. It's Martin Luther King Weekend. It's January 12 through 14. It's going to be incredible. Uh, uh, Triple E. Do you know who Triple E is? Nope. Well, I do. All right. Well, he's he's coming. Um, Anyway, uh, so I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be legit. Uh, You should be there. And if you're not going to be there, then you're going to be really sad about it. Um, So, the first question when you go to your small groups is, "Hey, you registered for Disciple Now yet?" guys, here's what's going to happen, y'all. I'm not, I'm not lying. Hey, listen, shh. What's going to happen is you're going to forget, and you're going to go on Christmas break, and you're going to forget, and then you're going to forget to tell your parents about it, and then you're going to come back from Christmas break, and you're going to start school, and you're going to come to Greenhouse on January 3rd, and then you're going to forget about it, and then there's going to be a parent meeting on January 10th, and you're going to go text your mom and say, hey, can I go disciple now? It's in two days, and they're going to be like, no, you got to go to that thing. Don't go to that thing. All right? The thing is D now. Go to D now. All right? Go and get registered, where Chase is up on the website. Go find your small groups, do your thing. Super cold outside, I believe in you. Love you. Goodbye.